Welcome to Name Drop San Diego. Name Drop is an interview podcast that highlights amazing people in, around, and from San Diego. Today, my guest is Mitch Silverstein. Mitch is the San Diego chapter manager of the Surfrider Foundation, a volunteer-driven organization that protects our beaches and oceans. Under Mitch's leadership, the group advocates for clean water, beach access, and limiting plastic consumption, among other things. Mitch himself has actually been mostly single-use plastic-free since 2008. A big win for the group recently was having the city of Vista agree to ban single-use plastics, and in a perfect world, Mitch would like to see the nation itself pass similar legislation. Here's my conversation with Mitch Silverstein. So Mitch, thanks so much for joining me. You are the San Diego chapter manager of the Surfrider Foundation. I wanted to start by asking just a little more about you. Who is Mitch Silverstein? <laughs> yeah, who who am I? I? You know, I'm still <laughs> trying to figure that out. I'm actually quite surprised and honored that I get to be featured on the Name Drop podcast because uh, I didn't ever think anyone would be name dropping my name. Uh, you know, I'm just a scrappy environmental activist who used to be a volunteer and did it for free. And now I actually got lucky enough to be hired on by Surfrider. Um, so yeah, this is a really big honor for me. Um, you know, a little about me, I, you know, I, I grew up in LA in the San Fernando Valley, like North Hollywood, Sherman Oaks, for anyone who knows that region. Um, went to college in Sonoma State in Northern California, kind of ended up staying there for a long time. Um, and, you know, I was very you know, I was kind of a rebel without a cause growing up. And I found when I got into kind of environmentalism and, and just realizing what, how tragic the effects that human society or the human race is having on the planet is, that really got me, you know, that was kind of my first foray into, into doing, into what has ended up in my job today. And that was in high school. But, um, you know, after graduating college and just not really having any money and being back at my mom's place and having the, you know, the college debt that everyone is so familiar with these days, I really got away from, from what I wanted to do in life for many years, just had normal jobs. You know, I was a retail manager. I worked in outdoor recreation for a while, which was actually pretty cool. Um, but it's really, you know, when I moved to San Diego in 2015, um, to, to surf more, to, 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 to paddleboard more, just to be closer to the ocean or closer to a warmer ocean. Cause I was in San Francisco. That's really when I started getting active, um, in the local surf rider chapter as a volunteer. And I, I kind of work my way up. Isn't really the right word because, you know, I didn't really work my way up. There's, you know, it's just a being a volunteer, but I ended up leading our, the local rise above plastics committee, which is just a, one of our volunteer led committees. That's really focused on plastic pollution, advocacy, awareness, and education and, and reducing and minimizing um, our reliance on single use plastics. That's kind of where I got my start in, in, in policy and stuff like that. And then after that, I, I got elected to the local board of directors, which is called our executive committee. Um, yeah. And, you know, after about three years of just volunteering really hard for surf rider, um, this, the job of chapter manager opened up and I was lucky enough to get it. Very cool. What were those issues that you first discovered in high school that sort of got you interested in environmental activism? Yeah, good question. So, you know, I was a bit of like a kind of hippie, stereotypical hippie skater, you know, rebel, you know, go smoke cigarettes with your buddies after school, like across the street where the teacher can't see you kind of guy. <laughs> um, and 
I don't know. I just always had a chip on my shoulder about society. You know, this kind of this thing that we're just born into the present day society and, and what's created this society is, is really the history that, you know, of, of thousands of generations are, are before us. And I always just felt like something was off, right? Like, you know, it almost, you know, we're just so disconnected from the natural world, you know, I, in school, it's like, I didn't really learn, you know, I didn't even learn what happened when I flushed my, you know, when I flushed the toilet, like, where's the water go? Where does our water come from? Um, why are we all sitting in traffic all day, burning fossil fuels, you know, stressed out about getting somewhere on time and, and not, even, you know, just everything seemed like it wasn't right. And I just always had that feeling. And so when I started reading, you know, some kind of more books about environmentalism and, and, you know, it started with, you know, I became a vegetarian in high school, of course, really self-righteous and preachy because that's how, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how, how it goes. Yeah. How it goes when you're young and naive, you know, not realizing. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, that, that I couldn't even tell you what exactly did it. I mean, I actually looked back, I, I was on, I was on the high school journalism team or not a team, but I was, I was one of the editors for that school newspaper. I looked back to when I was a junior or senior in high school and I actually wrote an article about Surfrider Foundation. Wow. And had no recollection of it. It just happened that my mom saved it. So yeah, I guess I've been into this for a while. Um, I just feel like as humans, we really need to think outside of ourselves and our village and um, think about the impact we're having and, and how that affects future generations as well. Are you still a vegetarian? No, I'm not even a vegetarian anymore. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Um, okay. Yeah, I was, I did it for four years and I'm like, I'm already like, a, I'm like one of those skinny lanky guys that everyone hates. Cause you know, like I'm always <laughs> complaining that I can't gain weight, but everyone else is like, whatever, dude, like, you know, you don't have any problems. <laughs> um, so when I, yeah, after four years of being a vegetarian, this was like late nineties, early two thousands. I was like so underweight and just having so much indigestion that my doctor was just like, dude, you should just start eating meat again. So since then I have been eating meat um, and I do feel better, but I try to be really, you know, my, my MO is kind of to try to eat maybe half as much meat as the normal American diet. Um, yeah. So I, I try not to get too preachy about vegetarian and vegan stuff, but I try to, you know, just eat less meat and, and better quality meat. And, uh, you know, our chapter, we have a climate change committee that's really, really focused on, on climate, you know, not only transportation and fossil fuels, but also animal agriculture. And so as a chapter, whenever we do have events where we're serving or we're controlling the food, we actually, um, maybe we have a rule that all of our meals are vegetarian. Yeah. I also had a vegetarian, uh, you know, stint in high school. I'm not anymore, but I just read the book. We are the weather, uh, by Jonathan Safran Fowler. And it, it really just talks about if you can reduce your meat consumption, especially red meat consumption to like one meal a day, you know, it's like one of the biggest things we can do for the environment. I don't know that that's super well known, so not perfect, but also sort of working on it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, um, you know, if I got mass respect for the hardcore vegan activists out there. Um, and, and that's just totally rad that, that, that they're able to do that. But I also think like, you know, when you're trying to communicate to the mainstream, um, and this is what I learned at Surfrider, you know, you got to really have that positive messaging that, Hey, Hey, come and join the team and, and we can all do a little bit better together rather than, Hey, you know, I'm a vegan and you're a murderer or, or, Hey, 
you're the worst person ever for having that single use plastic water bottle. You know, that, that definitely doesn't get anyone to join the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Okay. Well, tell me more about the surf Rider foundation. It's mission, you know, both overall and here in San Diego locally. Yeah, absolutely. So mission statement for the surf Rider foundation, we are dedicated to the protection and enjoyment of the world's ocean waves and beaches for all people through a powerful activist network. I think that's pretty broad. Um, what, you know, the things that we fight for generally can be sort of parsed out into five kind of priority areas. Um, we fight for clean water so that it's safe for people to recreate at the beach, you know, humans and animals. Um, we fight for coastal preservation, meaning that we are out there trying to preserve our natural beaches and coastlines so that when our kids grow up, those beaches still exist. Um, and, and a lot of people don't realize that with sea level rise and overdevelopment on our coast, so many beaches in San Diego and Southern California are at risk of being permanently lost. Um, we also do a lot of ocean protection work, stuff that just, you know, protects the ocean. Uh, a good example of that it would be our 30 by, you know, we're part of the 30, uh, 30 by 30 campaign to protect 30% of the ocean by 30, uh, 2030. Uh, yeah. So anyways, sorry, I, I said 30 so many times it confused my brain, but <laughs> yeah. So clean water, coastal preservation, ocean protection, beach access, which is really important because there are a lot of noble and awesome ocean conservation organizations out there fighting to protect wildlife and do all these other great things. But when it comes to really protecting uh, or fighting for beach access for all people and just preserving our beaches, our surf spots and the the places that we love to recreate and, and be together as a community, Surfrider is kind of one of the only games in town for that kind of work. And then of course, lastly, plastic pollution that, you know, it's such a, it's such a global problem for our oceans that it's actually one of our top five priority areas. What are some of the other big projects you're working on now? Yeah. So at any given moment, I mean, our chapter alone has probably 30 to 40 campaigns. So it's very hard to just say exactly, it'd be hard for me to list them all, but you know, Outside of our Beach Prez committee, which typically has three to four kind of big campaigns they're working on, um, one of them that having to do with beach access that we're working with Eco San Diego to reopen a beach access at Princess Street in La Jolla that was illegally blocked off by a homeowner uh, like probably 50 years ago. So there's this public access way that has been taken away from San Diegans to a really cool little pocket beach. So we're we're part of that kind of campaign. And, and I mean, it's not really a campaign anymore. It's more just like gathering the money and, and doing the pro- doing the project. Um, in the plastic pollution kind of world, we're, we're very active in policy campaigns for local cities to draft and pass ordinances that kind of target and reduce some of the most polluting single-use plastic items that we find at our beach cleanups every year. So right now we're working with, you know, we just had a victory in the city of Vista. They were actually the first non-coastal city in San Diego County to pass a single use plastic reduction ordinance. Uh, It's going to require starting August 1st that all restaurants and food establishments only give you all those utensils and ketchup packets and condiments on request only. So giving people a little more ownership of how much waste they're getting with their food. And then it's also going to ban styrofoam takeout, um, I think in 2023, which is a little far off, but you know, we, we, we take the wins we can get. 
Um, same thing, we're doing the same thing in San Marcos, which hopefully will be the second non-coastal city to pass a, an ordinance like that. Um, we're working in Oceanside. They've been very reluctant to act, unfortunately, but we're, you know, definitely we'll go down swinging if we have to. Um, and, and yeah, we've been, we've been either the leaders of or part of coalitions to pass those kind of plastic pollution reduction ordinances. And I would say 10, you know, around 10 cities in San Diego County. Yeah, I saw on your Twitter that you have been single use plastic free since 2008. I mean, how do you navigate that personally? You know, are you are you carrying around utensils and, um, you know, like just what's the etiquette there? Yeah, whose Twitter? Wait, you saw that on my personal Twitter? I think so. <laughs> Too okay. cool for politics. Yeah, wow, you found me. I don't even <laughs> use that anymore. Hardly. <laughs> I keep trying to be good at Twitter because I know like all the politicians are on there and I, I keep forgetting to do it. I'm but, in the um, same boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the whole concept of zero waste, it's definitely aspirational. I mean, I think, I think it's probably an exaggeration to say I've been single use plastic free since 2008, just because, you know, that would be a full-time job in this world. I mean, you know, everywhere you go, you know, you want to buy chips, you want to buy bread, whatever you, you know, you want to get some salsa for your burrito, unless you're just fully equipped, you are going to end up with single use plastic. So I think, since, you know, from 2008 to now, I'm probably less, less about trying to, I don't know, show off that how single use plastic free I am and more about trying to pass these policies because this legislative action is really the only way that we're going to truly move the needle on plastics, especially after a year like 2020, when it was, you know, during COVID, you couldn't even bring your own mug to a coffee place. They, you know, they wouldn't even touch it. So, or you couldn't even bring your own bags to the grocery store. I mean, it was ridiculous. So yeah. Um, but, but sorry to answer your question. Yeah. You know, I have, you know, I bring my own utensils. I have my own water bottle, have my own, you know, coffee mug type of thing. Um, I have my own handkerchiefs as napkins. Obviously I have my own bags, just like every California does at this point, probably more than they even know what to do with. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, there, there's, there's some easy ways to be, to, to minimize your reliance on single use plastics as an individual. Um, and I think they're really empowering. I mean, that was kind of how I started this journey was doing that, you know, what can I do as an individual? And then each, each practice I integrated that reduced my own personal waste footprint kind of felt, made me feel more empowered and made me say, well, listen, if I can do this, then other people can do this too. And that, that's kind of the, that's kind of how I got to where I am now being the person who's talking to city council members, mayors, whoever it is, and, you know, helping them draft ordinances and stuff, because, because I did the work myself and I, and I know that it's doable. And, you know, if you, all you have to do is go on Twitter and Instagram and see, there's like a whole millions or, you know, thousands of zero waste kind of people modeling and glamorizing the zero waste <laughs> lifestyle. And, and I think it's really cool. Um, you know, but, but it's also, there's only so far we can get as a society doing that. And I think I, I love all of them and, 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 you know, I'm kind of one of them too, I guess, but at the same time, you know, it's just like when we do a beach cleanup, when we, you know, we have thousands of people go to our beach cleanups and, and I always say, I always try to say to everyone at the beach cleanup, listen, you just spent two hours picking up trash on the beach. Let's spend another two hours contacting your local city council member, your state legislators, uh, your federal congressmen, stuff like uh, Congress people, stuff like that to, to, to make it, to do the work that we need to do to make it so that our beaches aren't getting trashed in the first place. 
I want to ask more about the beach cleanup, but I have a quick lightning round for you. Just a few, <laughs> just sort of random questions to get to know you better. Uh, the first one is what's your favorite movie? Oh, probably Terminator 2. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's it's a good, that's a classic at so this embarrassing. point. <laughs> <laughs> what do you love about Terminator 2? I remember loving it as a kid. I don't know if I've seen it since then. Um, I mean, Terminator 2, The Matrix, any dystopian, weird time travel future thing that makes you question reality. I, I grew up as like a big sci-fi nerd and I read all the, you know, kind of especially like the dystopian novels like Brave New World in 1984 being kind of like the trademark ones. Um, so, and then The Matrix, of course, too, really influential for me. But anything that, you know, The Matrix is especially good because in a way, I think the matrix is actually reality. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a crazy alien species that's using humans as batteries, but it's a good metaphor for that, for how brainwashed we all are without even knowing it. Right. Because we're products of our environment. So we don't, you know, if we're not, if we're not able to take a step outside of ourselves and look in a different perspective, then we're kind of caught in, in our own little prison in a way. Um, and then Terminator two, I like just because it, it, you know, the whole message behind it, you know, outside of the action and Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, and, and all that and Guns N' Roses is that, you know, humans relied too much on technology and ultimately the artificial intelligence became self-aware, saw humans as the biggest threat and tried to kill them all. So, you know, we got to watch out for that. Um, how do you try to reduce your reliance on technology? Or do you? Well, I'm failing. I'm failing that <laughs> battle because my smartphone, you know, smartphones are like the most addictive substance in the universe. Um, so yeah, you're going to have to ask me that next year. I'm not doing so well because I have to, I have to manage Surfrider San Diego's Instagram and social media and stuff. So I'm totally definitely get getting it. more screen time than I, than I want, yeah. but I try to go to the beach. I try to ride my bike to go surf. I'm, you know, I'm lucky to live in OB. And when I, you know, when I ride to go surf or go to the beach, I don't bring any of my, I don't bring my phone because I don't want to lose it. So it really helps me just kind of unplug for at least those couple hours. Okay. What was your favorite toy as a kid? Oh, my favorite dude. There was these little, um, action figures called muscle men. I don't know, you know, I'm 40, so I don't know if anyone's going to remember these, but there were these little action figures. They were just kind of like r rubbery plasticky and they came in like five packs and 20 packs and you didn't really know what you were going to get. And so I just wanted to have them all. And I love playing with them. Fun. Do you still have them? Nope. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite toy as an adult? My surfboards, definitely. And my bike, surfboards and bikes. That's what I'm all about. Where do you like to go surfing or biking? Uh, I like to do both simultaneously because I live in OB about a mile from the beach. So especially in the summer when it's hot, I like to throw my board on my surf, my bike surfboard racks and ride to you know, either the main beach in OB or somewhere along the cliffs. Very cool. What is a bucket list item for you? To see the U.S. pass a really comprehensive plastic bill like the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act. <laughs> On point. Okay, we'll get back to that and we can talk more about that <laughs> act. Um, okay, uh, any pandemic lessons you learned? Yeah, so many. Um, I already, I've always hated driving and always felt like I had to do it too much. So I actually moved to OB during the pandemic because I was still driving to the beach. Um, so 
kind of just a recurring lesson in my life is to really do everything I can to live in communities that are walkable and bikeable. Um, because it just makes my life so much more fulfilling and makes me feel much more connected to my community. Um, one, you know, I think the biggest, the biggest lesson I'd like to see kind of taken up societally from the pandemic is just the remote working and working from home. I mean, everyone loved that there was no traffic during the pandemic and so many offices and big companies are, are still in work from home stages right now and finding that, you know, efficiency and, and productivity isn't going down. So I think having those options for, for workers is for employees is amazing, especially for those with families or have to commute for work. Um, because it just, you know, the environment, the, the personal and environmental rewards and even economic rewards, right? Because if companies can downsize their offices, um, people spend less on gas, people spend less time traveling every day. I mean, there's just so many, there's so many positives to it and they're all very like nonpartisan, right? Like it doesn't matter what your ideology is. You're, you're definitely like, yeah, I want to spend more time with my family. Yeah. I don't want to you know, sit in traffic all day. Yeah. I wouldn't mind buying less gas because it's expensive. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind spending less money on my, my rent for office. So yeah, that's the big one. The challenge is that for all of our monthly meetings now, we're kind of trying to do this hybrid approach where they're like, you can come in person too, because there's definitely that community element, but we also want to make it not suck for those who are using zoom and, and coming in as well. So we're still working on that. And I'm sure many companies are. Yeah, definitely. That was a big takeaway for me too, is just, it seems like the pandemic taught us how we can really radically change our actions if we have to, or if we want to, right. You know, so going forward, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, final lightning yeah. round question for you, or did you have something else to say? No, I was just, it, it just made me think that, you know, it's, it's kind of sad, but true. And maybe sometimes necessary that these big, horrible global events like a pandemic are the things that make us you know, we, we just have to be forced to change. You know what I mean? We're just the inertia of the modern lifestyle was so strong um, that even though, you know, there's just gridlock traffic all over San Diego every single day and mm -hmm. thousands of other cities worldwide, we still are like failing to deal with that. And then of course this huge pandemic happened and now we can finally reconsider, right. reconsider it. But the solution was right there the whole time. It's like, you know, employers were thinking, oh, we can't possibly have people work remotely because they're not going to work. Well, it turns out we do. In many cases, we're more productive and great. You know, let's leave buildings and, uh, you know, roads emptier than before for, you know, at least in the case of buildings, different uses even. So, yeah. And even the roads, I mean, there are people who, you know, there are a lot of essential workers who need to be on site for their jobs, you know, whether you're, whether you worked at a retail store or a hospital or you're a plumber or something else or a trucker, you know, you've got to use those roads. So having more people work at home also opens up, op makes it easier for those who need to drive to get around as well. Well said. Okay. Final question. Do you have a motto or just some other thing that you try to, to live by or keep top of mind as you, you live your life uh, on a daily basis? Yeah. I've got like at least a few mottos. You know, the Gandhi one, be the change you want to see in the world has always just been hugely resonant with me, um, even if it's cliche. And then another mod motto that I got from my mom that are, I think are important is one is use it or lose it. Um, basically just saying, if you don't keep up and, and, and keep practicing on, on the things that you want to get good at or be good at it, that you will become bad at them. Um, and, you know, this, and that's especially as I get older, you know, and, and being a surfer, I want to stay 
I want to stay in shape. I don't want to lose my functionality. And then the other one that I, that I learned from my mom that I really like too, is that if you want, if you want something done, ask a busy person, <laughs> super random. I know, but, um, I just so unfair that, to busy people. No, but because busy people get it done. Get it done. That's why they're busy. Yeah. They know how to get stuff done and they're too busy to, to dilly dally. And, uh, so if you ask them, you know, if you need something done, they'll, they'll prioritize it and put it, you know, in that block where if it's someone who has nothing on their agenda and you ask them to do something for you, there's no, they've, they've got no urgency. Yeah. That makes sense. It seems yeah. like it wouldn't make sense, but it totally makes sense. Really? Like, yeah. It's totally unintuitive. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Well, I want to take it back to just some more policy. So you were quoted in a recent UT article. Uh, it was about the annual beach cleanup report. And you basically said you'd like to see lawmakers, you know, get more involved, you know, to keep our beaches and oceans healthier. How so? Yeah, that's a great question. So and it's so weird, you know, there, when we, when we talk, when I talk about our beach cleanups, we need to hold a good amount of space for nuance, right? Because our beach cleanup program is so awesome in San Diego County. It's super robust. We've got like over 10,000 volunteers a year who participate. And I think each and every one of those people should feel great about that contribution. That's what makes up our activist network, right? Is, is volunteers taking time out of their lives to go and step up for our coast and do something beneficial to it. So I definitely, you know, think that's, that that's part of the nuance, but the other part is the reality is that beach cleanups are not the solution to our plastic pollution problem, right? Like, I mean, we could do a huge beach cleanup today in OB or Oceanside and find 200 pounds of trash. And we could come back the next day and find just the same amount because that's how quickly the pollution on our shores and in our ocean can repopulate after you've, you know, cleaned it up. So if there's a true point to the Surfrider beach cleanup program, it's really to create a world that doesn't need beach cleanups in the first place, because I don't want to clean up beaches. I do it obsessively and compulsively out of my own passion and, and care and, and the pain, like the, the literal pain I feel when I see plastic in the ocean, which is pretty much every single time I go out surfing, um, or go to the beach. But at the end of the day, I'd rather not do beach cleanups. I'd rather just go hang out on the beach and have a blast because that's what I want to do. So we are not going to clean our way out of this problem. Um, we need to legislate our way out of this problem. We need to hold corporations accountable for the problem because right in America and, and I'm, you know, I can't speak for all of America and I can't speak for the world, but what I see is that corporations that profit from our reliance on single use plastic, plastic bottles, pla you know, plastic, everything, they've been very successful at doing a bait and switch to take the blame off of them as the producers who are inundating our society with more plastic that, that, that more plastic than we could ever responsibly manage, right? They're inundating us with that much plastic. And they've done this, this really clever bait and switch to take the blame off of them and put it on individuals who are litter bugs or who don't recycle or who, you know, who don't, who don't pick up after themselves. So this is a falsehood. You know, that's a false narrative that, that individuals who litter are responsible for the trash that you see out there. Um, it's, it's, it's these corporations, it's producers and we have to hold producers accountable and we have to force them to use better materials 
to embrace reuse um, and, and, and when, when reusable materials aren't possible to use, you know, biodegradable alternatives and, there- and they're not going to do that on their own. So it's not like I'm ideologically wanting government to regulate stuff. It's just more like that's the reality. I mean, are there any California lawmakers, you know, locally or statewide that are really champions for this issue that are really on the right side of it, in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot. It's hard for me to really name names just because as a 501c3 surfrider, we we can definitely advocate for policies, but we don't we never want to be we never want to be perceived as supporting one candidate or one party over the other um, because it's against the law for us as a 501c3. But yeah, I think, you know, we've got some great champions locally. I mean, city of San Diego, the city council passed a styrofoam takeout container ban and skip the stuff ordinance, which means all the utensils and stuff are only given on request only. They passed that in 2019. Um, But the California Restaurant Association, which is basically supported by, you know, plastic lobbies, lobbyists and companies like Dart that make styrofoam. They threatened to sue the city if they didn't conduct an environmental impact report on that law and the city, you know, not wanting another lawsuit capitulated. So that's been kind of caught up uh, while they do that. So, but yeah, I mean, every city, every city that's passed an ordinance in San Diego County has champions, you know, has champions that made it happen. It it wasn't just Surfrider. We would never want to take all the credit because it doesn't happen unless you have a champion on the city council who can help convince the city council. And what we've seen is, Solana Beach, Encinitas, Imperial Beach down south, uh, Del Mar, even Oceanside passed a bag ban in 2016 uh, before the statewide one took effect. Um, so, you know, those, those, those cities champions on their, on their councils and also in their city staffs who drafted the ordinances. And then right now, you know, we're working in San Marcos, Carlsbad. Um, we just passed one in Vista. So, Definitely. And even on the San, on the San Diego Board of Supervisors, you know, there's there's champions as well. Well, I know part of uh, the Surfrider Foundation's mission is just getting people to understand how their everyday lives, you know, affect the health of our beaches, of uh, of the ocean. You know, so like what are some things that the just average person should know um, or do to help? Yeah, I mean, you can go. We. We can go on our website. We've got all those like top 10 things you can do to help the beach lists. Um, and, you know, they range from obviously reducing your reliance on single use plastics, um, you know, to water, you know, water conservation and things like that. Um, but yeah, I don't, sorry, I don't have any of those lists in front of me. So it's hard for me to like quote them, but no, that's okay. I mean, just what is a takeaway that you want, you know, you, you have, uh, you know, the mic and you, you get to say one thing to people. Here's, here's how, here's how you can help, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would say keep the ocean in mind, you know, with everything you do, because in San Diego County and most Southern California cities, everything leads to the ocean, right? Like every time it rains in San Diego, as long as you're West of the mountains, everything's going to go straight to the coast, right? That's, that's how we've, that's how we've engineered our cities. You know, it's, they're full of concrete surfaces, which don't absorb water. And when it rains, all that water goes straight into either our rivers and tributaries or into thousands of miles of storm drains. And it all just gets pushed immediately out to the coast. It is not, um, you know, contrary to what we sometimes assume it's not treated in any way. Most 
you know, most of it is just completely untreated and goes straight to the ocean. And, and surfers know this because every time it rains, surfers get sick and they're warned to, you know, the, the warning is that we're not supposed to go surfing within 72 hours of, of rain. So I think that's a really important thing for, for everyone to just realize is that, you know, if you see a cigarette butt on the ground in, you know, anywhere in San Diego County, if it doesn't, if it does not get picked up, it's going to end up in the ocean. That's just where it goes. So I think, um, having that kind of slightly larger perspective on what affects our ocean locally is, is important. Yeah. Good tips. Anything else you want to add? Mm, well, I know, you know, Surfrider does so much. And, I, and so there's, I could never speak to everything we do, but for anyone who's interested in finding out more, check out our local website, surfridersd.org. Um, you know, we've got eight or nine volunteer led committees. Each of these committees is just a group of volunteers who care about our coast, who are addressing a specific issue. Maybe it's plastic, maybe it's beach access, maybe it's climate change. Um, you know, it, it could be any, or, 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 water quality, you know, it's, it's all those things and they meet monthly right now it's on zoom. We're just kind of getting back into the hybrid meetings of, of going in person as well for those who are comfortable, but, um, you know, you don't have to RSVP. You don't have to do anything. You, you can just show up, attend the meeting and, and check it out, you know, and, and see if you find a community of like-minded individuals who are, who are working to do what they can to protect what they love, which is in this case, our ocean waves and beaches. And that's really the surf rider model. That's how it works. You know, I'm a staff member, but I'm really one of only three in San Diego County. And 99% of what we achieve is through, through volunteers who are just amazing people who, who just want to make the world a better place. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm here really at, at their, uh, you know, I'm just honored to be here because, you know, my job is made possible through, through, through our volunteers and through our donors. Thank you for listening to Name Drop San Diego. If you like what you heard, please tap on that five-star rating or tell a friend. Your support means a lot. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.